I carried to my lips a spoonful of the tea in which I had let soften a bit of madeleine. But at the very instant when the mouthful of tea mixed with cake crumbs touched my palate, I quivered, attentive to the extraordinary thing that was happening inside me. This passage in literature is so famous that it itself has its own name, the Prussian moment, a sensory experience that triggers a rush of memories long past or even seemingly forgotten. For the French author Marcel Proust, who penned these lines in his 1913 novel, A la recherche du temps perdu, which means in search of lost time, it was this softened cake in tea that sent his mind reeling. Welcome to A Savoured Life, a podcast that inspires you to live a more fulfilled life with mindful writing, intuitive cooking and creative inspiration. I'm Sumaya Osmani, your host, and each episode of A Savoured Life is filled with creative expression, freeing our preconceived ideas that hold us back from fulfilling our true potential. This episode's focus is on the sense of smell, something that I personally use for my writing, for my inspiration. And we talk about how it can do more than just transport us in time, but actually make us find calm and connection in our lives and also help us tap into our creativity. In this episode, I'm speaking to Victoria Frolova, a writer, journalist, and editor of Bois de Jasmine and a translator of Persian literature. She's also a professionally trained perfumer. As a journalist, she covers all topics relating to art and culture. She collaborates with universities around the world and designs perfume seminars and lectures series on olfaction, art and science. Welcome to A Savoured Life, Victoria. Thank you very much, Samaya. Thank you for being here. Um, and today we're going to be chatting, uh, you know, something that's quite close to your heart, which is a sense of smell. And I wanted to explore what it can do for transporting us and effect- effectively sort of creating a sort of time capsule of memory and sensory recollection. So we're going to sort of explore that idea today. But before we start, I'd love to know a little bit about your personal journey as to how you became a professionally trained perfumer. You know, it happened by accident. I never meant to follow this path. But sometimes with things that you feel passionate about, that's how it happens. I was a graduate student working on my exams and at some point I was so tired of reading about political economy and so on, so I wanted just a a little break. And I started writing about art, about books, about and about sense. And I put up these short articles online and that's how Bois de Jasmin was born. And... um, it just uh, it was really just an outlet a creative outlet but it caught the attention of uh, some perfumers and that's how i met my mentor perfumer sophia groisman who created uh, many famous fragrances like uh, lancome trésor or yves saint laurent paris and uh, she uh, she really inspired me her approach was very intuitive but also very scientific and she showed me how in perfumery art and science are intrinsically blended together so you cannot separate one from the other Mm -hmm. and once i stepped inside a perfumery lab i was completely mesmerized the scents the aromas the 
and the way you could create something, putting two things together that uh, become more than the sum of their parts. And uh, really, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunities to study perfumery. And uh, it really opened up um, just my whole being to a completely different universe, the universe of sense. And, you know, once one sense becomes stimulated, all others follow. It's very hard to separate one sense from another. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds fascinating. And it's such a great way when we fall into things. And I think that is the beauty of what you do. And I think for me, it is very much a, a way of tapping into my memories and my sort of nostalgic ideas of life and I think that's the most incredible thing about scent and I would love to know like because you have such a close connection and an understanding of scent and memory and scent and what it means to you to be transported so what would be your own personal sort of connective scent and memory that if you can think of one thing that really conjures one scent that conjures up your childhood your safe place what would it be I'd love to know Uh, for me uh, it's really um, the smell of lilac Mm -hmm. because it reminds me of my great-grandmother's house in Poltava in central Ukraine and uh, for the first 15 years of my life I spent most of my summers and holidays there and uh, my great-grandmother was she loved flowers and she collected lilacs Uh, So she had them planted all around the house. And in May, when all the lilacs would be in bloom, you would wake up in the morning to this beautiful scent that would fill the whole house. And it was just so incredible, the smell of lilac. You could describe it as the smell of rose plus almond and this kind of earthy green scent. It's, yeah, it's just so evocative. And then, of course, food, all of the holiday foods and um, that I made, uh, you know, that I made together with my grandmothers from both sides of my family, uh, whether it would be parishki, uh, small pies filled with savory or sweet uh, fillings, or pasca and Easter bread like brioche with Mm -hmm. uh, candied fruit and nutmeg and vanilla. All of these aromas, once I start thinking about them, they conjure up a certain place, a certain people. It's it's really so comforting. That sounds beautiful. And I have a very personal link to flowers and food as well. And I'm, it was my grandmother who always had the motia flowers, the, the jasmine mm. samak. And that, to me, reminds me of her bringing it into the house in the evenings when they bloom, putting them in a bowl of water so they would fragrance up the whole room. And then I would remember things like, you know, making cardamom rice pudding and all these kind of things and it's incredible how these just transport you to another time I'd love to know Victoria I know that you've recently just published you've just had your memoir the rooster house published in the rooster house tell us a little bit about the inspiration of course you have a very personal story in it but is there any sort of stories about your sensory recollections in there There are quite a few because as I was writing uh, the book, I wanted my readers to follow me on this journey with me. And and it's a journey of discovery, uh, reconnecting to my roots and also unearthing family history and trying to make sense of it. 
but uh, smells had a very important role to play, especially with certain food preparations. One of the key scenes in the book is when my grandmother Valentina and I make uh, Pascha Easter breads together. And it's the smell of this leavened dough and vanilla and nutmeg that surrounds us as uh, in, in that scene was very important. And, um, and actually this year was the first year I did not make this bread. Mm. It's um, this Easter came and van went in just a um, much heartache over everything that's going on in Ukraine. Yeah. And I felt um, just unable to make holiday food this year. Um, on the other hand, for Christmas, I'm definitely planning to make mm -hmm. something from my grandmother's recipes just to evoke all of these memories. Sometimes it's just, you know, at, during difficult times, sometimes even just cooking things from a better time can soothe and balm, you know, our hearts at difficult times. And, and I suppose it was quite raw during the beginning of the year, but now I think it would be a good time to sort of just relive some beautiful memories from the past with flavors that would, you know, take you back to really good times. Yes, absolutely. It is very comforting. And um, as um, I think about, you know, the places where I lived, uh, the place where I was born, where I grew up, and I try to, I'm separated from these places. Mm -hmm. I'm out of Ukraine, but Ukraine lives in me. And, uh, and smells and these tastes make such a, are such a big part of it. So let's talk a little bit about how one's senses are so intrinsically linked to memory. How does that happen? And what is this beautiful, magical ability for smells to conjure up memory? It's actually quite fascinating. So scents have a unique capacity to touch us deeply on an emotional level. And that's because olfactive stimuli are processed differently from those generated by our other senses. The anatomical link between the olfactory system and limbic system, the part of the brain that processes emotions and memories, is direct. So for this reason, the effect is so uh, visceral and strong. And also, despite conventional wisdom that humans are visually oriented, we find that smell can be more important than color in certain contexts. And so it means that since odors are processed in the same part of the brain as memories, recollections um, evoked by smells are clear and vivid. And all of us have certain smells, certain um, tastes that we remember, that once we uh, taste it again, once we smell it again, it's just, it's just so magical. It's actually very hard to get something, you know, our smell memories are very precise. Mm -hmm. If um, uh, the match is only 98%, that magic won't happen. But if it's exactly matches, then it's really just so incredibly uh, heartwarming and uplifting. I think that the beauty of it is that in some ways it's actually three-dimensional. And I know that sometimes if I smell something from maybe what reminds me of a time when I was maybe six or seven, memories themselves are so blurred from that time of our lives. But sometimes they are so vivid, just clearly through the sense of smell. 
And I have found that in, in my life that I smell things and I can't place them and I don't know what it means, but I can literally close my eyes and I can see a three-dimensional image of that time in my life. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's um, it just such an incredible experience when you uh, get a certain, you know, a certain aroma and suddenly, you know, it's this aroma, this scent, the memory and the place, it all comes together and it's almost like in this dark, um, a vague place of your memory, something becomes illuminated mm -hmm. and you can see, you can step back in time. And uh, as I said, once it happens, it's always such a memorable experience. It is. It's always, I always like to con sort of relate it to a time capsule. It's like this little time capsule parked away in your brain and it just needs this little key of that scent to open it up and it releases everything. And like you said, it's a colored image uh, with, you know, three dimensional figures and just right in front of you. It's amazing. And I think I like to use it a lot with my writing. And, and sometimes when I'm writing, I will eat or cook or smell things that will take me back. And I find that my words just sort of, you know, just flow. I um, I do the same thing. When I was writing my book, I often kept a box of dried rose petals mm -hmm. um, on my desk. And those were the roses I collected from my great-grandmother's garden. Yeah. And uh, I just dried them. And they retained their scent. And it was just so beautiful. Just by opening up that box, I could just step uh, for a moment back into that garden, wander down its path you know, stroke the cherry trees, mm -hmm. uh, imagine the rose bushes full in bloom. Yeah. And it it was a magical moment. Uh, it's just so inspiring. And um, some of these tricks, you know, as a writer, you often, you know, struggle, especially trying to put words on the blank page. Uh, but some of these um, tips uh, for inspiration can be so useful and and remarkably effective uh, whenever we stimulate our senses it's just um, uh, galvanizes this whole creative process and uh, it's quite powerful yeah that was actually going to bring me to another question i really wanted to ask you is that how can we use our scent because of course i try to uh, it through this podcast i love to inspire people to find ways to find their writer's voice to encourage themselves to be creative with words and and you know and and sort of things like this and i love to speak about how we can use scent to aid inspiration without creativity uh for me uh a very useful writing exercise is trying to describe a smell. And uh, people often struggle with it because uh, uh, we often associate smells with something. You know, banana smells like a banana, a rose smells like a rose. But how do you describe the smell of banana? How do you parse out the smell of a rose uh, to evoke its smell, to make someone experience the smell? not to mention something a little bit more complex, like a smell of a place. And um, it's often useful to have, um, to try uh, working through these exercises as a way just to stimulate your creativity. 
try to describe the smell of black pepper or uh, the smell of the house where you grew up and uh, trying as much as possible to use various adjectives creatively yeah. and also not to overuse them and not to overuse adverbs and try to get to the essence of the smell uh, and then give that piece of writing to someone else and ask them if they can envision mm -hmm. uh, the smell that you're describing. Or uh, another uh, uh, tip is what I've mentioned before with my box of rose petals mm -hmm. is just to have your favorite smell or smell that evokes something distinctive on hand and uh, and really try to smell it consciously and try to describe it to yourself uh, so these rose petals to me they smelled like warm honey like lemon peel and a little bit of uh, warm metal and every time I would smell them, I would notice different nuances. And it was really remarkable, even though I was not describing, you know, the smell of roses mm -hmm. in my work. But it was remarkable how it would just um, uh, stimulate uh, something creative in me and uh, push me further in my work, in my writing. That's a beautiful tip. And I think that's it. Like, uh, a lot of us don't take that intentional time to actually think beyond, you know, we look at a blank page as a writer and you just think, oh my goodness, I have nothing to give or the creativity is not coming to me. And sometimes it is this playfulness and reaching out to other parts of our creative minds where things can conjure up ideas and memories and thoughts and exactly like your tips to use something small that might smell a scent of rose petals or whatever it might be that be personal to you to use that to really play with with that memory um, i really love that um are there any certain scents so say you know somebody listening doesn't have a certain smell that reminds them of anything good in their past or memories is there something that some scents that have the ability to inspire our creative minds or to make us more creative you know they are scents to calm you and to relax you and be great for using for meditation but are there any scents that we can use for creative practice it's actually quite interesting because lately there is a lot of research into aromacology and aromatherapy, uh, how to, you know, scents can be used therapeutically. And even though some of this research uh, to me in early stages, and but there is some evidence that certain smells definitely have an effect on us. Uh, for instance, the smell of frankincense is known, um, you know, for for centuries to be a great aid for increasing concentration mm -hmm. and uh, burning frankincense uh, is a very um, comforting uh, and very uplifting practice. Lavender is another scent. In lavender is known to be a relaxing scent with these very clean, wholesome associations, but it also boosts your um, your concentration and your ability to, um, uh, it stimulates you. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I love the smell of, uh, 
the copal, the incense copal, and I have this incredible. I don't. I never grew up with copal. I grew up with a lot of jasmine and sandalwood. But it was. It's funny when I burn copal incense, I find like my brain completely goes into a different space. Like I start to think creatively. I my shoulders fall down. I sit and I just words come to me, and it's incredible. So I'm so addicted to burning copal because I find that something、yeah. about that smell. Just totally in, puts me into a different state of mind.、Uh, it's a beautiful smell,、mm-hmm. and then you mentioned the smell of jasmine, the smell of sandalwood.、Uh, those smells are also quite powerful,、uh, and their effect is quite complex. The you know their rich smells with just very、um, beautiful associations too for me personally.、Mm-hmm. But、uh, it's very interesting how emotion, a brief, spontaneous reaction that we feel in response to an external stimuli, for instance, the beautiful fragrance of jasmine, it can seem fleeting. But the effect of the whole experience is lingering. Yeah, something happens in our body under the influence of scents, and、uh, research shows that odors not only have an effect on our mood, but also on our heart rate and facial expressions. And certain orders reduce stress, induce a state of relaxation, or influence cognitive performance. And it's such a, a fascinating area of research. It really is, and and I find that it's you're really you know what you just said right now about how the scent of jasmine is so fleeting because you know you put your nose to the flower, it's in the room, and you walk away. It you know it's not going to linger forever unless you burn an aromatherapy oil or something. But even then, the pure essence of the flower is is very fleeting. But you're right, the effect it has on you, it lingers. It it does. It's as if it's you you literally your body soaks it in, and then it sort of just releases it through its your pores very slowly. And gives you a sense of, you know, calm, peace, whatever you might associate to it. So that's really quite an interesting thing. Now, Victoria, I know you like to cook, and I would love to know how you feel about how, because of course, cooking is a very sensory act. How you feel about the whole element of cooking、uh, with your senses, creating something and then consuming it, because then you're actually using all your senses. And and what what is the magic we create when we do that? It's um, it's true. It's just a, such a multi-sensory experience.、Uh, for me,、uh, cooking, you know, following my nose in the kitchen is is essential. And often it starts when I shop for ingredients, and I love nothing more than going to a market, especially a farmers market, where you can see the ingredients, the fruits and vegetables, just in their natural state, not in plastic, and、uh, to touch them and to smell them, and、uh, just trying to imagine different combinations. So, for instance,、um, recently I've been making a lot of.、Uh, Uh, Japanese dishes, and、uh, I've been making a carrot and persimmon salad scented with yuzu because I have a small yuzu tree at home. And、uh, much to my surprise, it actually gave fruit for a second year in a row. Brilliant! 
and uh, I'm putting yuzu in everywhere where I think its effect would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So the combination of sweet carrot and persimmon with yuzu is such a beautiful combination. And when I just thought about it, it uh, occurred to me that it would work beautifully, especially with the touch of rice vinegar and sugar in the salad dressing. And of course, you know, it's just not only smell, it's also the colors and textures. Uh, For me, cooking is really uh, such an essential uh, part Mm -hmm. of what I do daily. And uh, of course, cooking sometimes can be uh, can be a chore if, um, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of us have uh, moments like this. but uh, when I have moment just to just to cook, just to follow, just some sort of uh, creative inspiration, it's just so wonderful, and uh, it's a way for me to travel, to satisfy my wanderlust, mm-hmm. to satisfy my curiosity, and uh, you know another creative outlet. Absolutely, I love that. I I think that it is so much more than just the act. It's transportive. It's uh, it's very intentional, it's very therapeutic, it's it's extremely calming. And I think you're right, sometimes it does become a chore when you've got to put food on the table every day for the family, but I think if you, it, it is a good thing to use as an intentional me-time thing where you can literally just switch off and be present. Uh, and I, I love that you, you're doing something beautiful with the user trees because I did have a little plant and mine gave fruit twice and then after that never bore fruit again. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm doing wrong to it, but it's decided it never wants to fruit again. But I do, I do, I have hope for it. It's not dead yet. So it's still alive. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you for that. Uh, I will definitely try that salad next time I get some fruit. But do tell me, Victoria, before we end, are you up to anything interesting now? What What's your next sort of, are you writing another book? What are you doing at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm working on translation of a Persian novel. And uh, that's been my main project recently. And, uh, and Persian is one of the languages I enjoy very much. It's such a musical language and... Uh, it's perfectly suited for describing uh, smells and scents. And so, so in the novel, there are certain moments, there are certain scent descriptions. So I enjoy uh, that very much. And um, uh, it's uh, it's been quite um, quite a quite a challenging project too, because uh, Zahra Abdi, the author. The Iranian author who wrote the novel, she's a poet, so uh, her language is quite poetic and trying to translate it into English and capture all of its musical- musicality, that's, you know, takes uh, some effort. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite challenging because, I mean, just uh, having grown up with her hearing a lot of people speak in, per- you know, in Persian and also because there's so many words, Persian words in our language, mm-hmm. in Urdu, uh, and I just find it is, you know, some of the poetry I have read and I can read it, but when I read it, it just sounds like music and I would think that the meaning, you know, is never transferable. So much Urdu poetry is not transferable into English because uh, some of this, you know, the phrases 
phrases are just very they would sound a little crazy in English <laughs> so um, yeah the, and in Urdu poetry also there are so many beautiful scent metaphors yeah, the comparison of uh, black hair to mask um, lips to sugar and roses and uh, it's uh, yeah it's quite complicated to translate but uh, when you read it, it creates such a beautiful image. It does. Um, like um, a multifaceted brocade. Yep, it does. Well, that was really, really inspiring talk, uh, Victoria. Thank you so much Thank for you your everyone. time uh, and for being here on The Savored Life. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it very much. If you're interested in finding a community of creatives and writers and a space to find retreat recipes and writing inspiration, my monthly membership called Savored is the space for you. Savored is reopening for membership in January of 2023, and I'd love to see you there. Please do join the waitlist and the link is below, and I hope that I see your name there. Finally, if you love A Savoured Life and you wouldn't mind reviewing it on your platform, I would love that. Thanks so much for listening to A Savoured Life with me, Sumaya. And until next time, choose a slower life, choose a savoured life. Mm-hmm.